Well, good morning, New Hope Community Church, and happy Mother's Day. We're so thankful that you're able to join us today online, and I'm so blessed to be able to give the message today. Um, I think one of the biggest things on my heart right now has been discipleship. Uh, maybe uh, because we're in a season of small groups. Maybe it's because I have three, you know, boys, growing boys up at home. But uh, my heart is I just want to um, love and disciple the person that is in front of me. And, um, you know, one thing that I, I that's, that can be difficult about discipleship. You know, I think um, I, you know, you, you, most of you may know that I do have like a little side gig and um, I'm learning a lot about business and um, a lot of the amazing business entrepreneurs in order to grow their business to the next level, they have to learn to do something called outsourcing. And so um, don't do the things that you can pay somebody else to do. Um, and you can find like amazing virtual assistants to do um, kind of the, the mundane tasks of the day. And then you just focus on being the content creator or the you know the creative uh, you know mind behind everything that's going on and I think the thing about discipleship is that it cannot be outsourced you cannot pay someone else to be discipled for you there's so many things in our lives you know um, we can pay somebody else to clean our house we can pay somebody to bring us dinner or make us food um, we can pay to have our kids a part of a carpool or pay to get them coached or have them in the best schools um, but discipleship and what we're called to do for ourselves with the Lord and what we're called to do for our children is not something that can be outsourced and so I want to encourage you today is that we do not want to outsource our discipleship, especially of our children, to others. Now, there are resources, and we're going to talk about that today, that will come alongside and supplement and help. Um, but the primary is you. You are called by the Lord to disciple your kids. And so we're going to look um, today at Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 22. And we see in the Great Commission, we see that Jesus tells his disciples, then Jesus came to them saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We have all been called to do this. This message today is a Mother's Day message. It's geared for parents, but as a believer in Christ, we have been commissioned by Christ to pass on our faith, to disciple other people, to one, be discipled ourselves, and two, to pass on um, our, um, to also be one who disciples. Um, and our jobs as parents is to disciple. I, someone once said, the days are long, um, but the years are short. And I think for me, this comment or this quote is uh, never been more real or uh, have such a reality uh, ring to it because of what I'm going through with my son Judah. Um, he is going to be 16 this October and he just finished or he's finishing his freshman year um, at high school and it's so crazy because I'm like, oh my gosh, he's only had three more years of high school and then he's out of the house, he's off to college. But I was remembering um, when we moved to Hawaii like 12 years ago, Judah 
Judah was just three years old and Noah was 18 months old. And my two boys are just 20 months apart and they are like, especially Judah, just like this ball of energy. And so I had, I, to be honest with you, I was like overwhelmed. And then, you know, just by all the energy and all of the life and all, and I got a lot of energy too. So I was like, okay, let's do this. And so we, we would be here cruising around the island. You know, I'd take them to the mall, like we, anything to get out of the house. Like I didn't want them to make a mess or break things or um, they used to pee off the balcony uh, where we lived. And so I was just like, let's just go to the park or let's be outside let's like burn our energy I would have moms all the time or or elderly people stop me and and there was no judgment only kindness for the most part they would stop me and say enjoy this and I'm thinking like oh my gosh I don't know if I'm enjoying I'm definitely like working it but I don't know if I'm enjoying it um, because I was just so in the trenches of motherhood I remember we enrolled Judah in kindergarten. He was so excited to go, and I could tell when he came back from his first day of school, it wasn't what he thought it would be. He was really disappointed. And, um, you know, he, he, he tried his hardest, and he, he did really well. Judah's a really smart um, little kid. I can tell that about him, so articulate. Um, but, you know, I keep getting like notes like, hey, you know what, I think your son has some learning disabilities. Let's put him in the special ed. And then the special ed, you're like, uh, he's fine. And they put him back into the regular class. And so Judah was kind of like switching back and forth. He went to first grade and same thing. You know, the teacher was like, it's weird because he's smart, but he seems to be slow. And um, I'm like, I don't know. I just know I think he's a smart, smart little kid. And through tons of prayer. Um, me and my husband had decided to homeschool both uh, Judah and Noah. And um, all the stuff that was going on at school just confirmed that, hey, this is what we're supposed to be doing. And um, oh my gosh, I got to tell you that some of those days in homeschool, we didn't do much school, um, but I, I did the best I could and I loved them and just gave them a space to be um, energetic and boys. We did lots of hikes and um, playing at the park and lots of things to burn energy, swimming and they're like little fish. Um, but anyways, we would do school and man, I would take my time to just tell them about the Lord and we would do our devotions together. And anyways, every day, long days. And now I look at Judah and I look at all the energy and all the strength um, that he has. And he's taller than my husband now. And he's just finishing up his freshman year. And he's not only finishing up his freshman year, but he's excelling right now. As of now, we're not done yet. But as of now, he has a 4.0 um, GPA. And I'm just so proud of him. This, this little kid that was kind of worked over by the school system, told that he had some disabilities is thriving in high school. Um, this little kid full of energy and full of life um, was just recently honored um, by the, the, the state and the, the county and city of Honolulu um, to, for his heroic efforts. Um, he, he performed this crazy rescue at China Walls and um, I would just say like, hey, like he was able to use his strength to save someone's life and me and his dad are just so proud of him and I'm just again never more aware of like oh my gosh I only have like three more years and then he's off and I just want to like have you know everything poured into him so that he's ready for life but our time I say all that as a reminder that our time with our kids is limited 
And so before we move forward, I'd like to ask you and really have you contemplate and maybe not have an answer right now, but really think about it and ask the Lord to examine your heart. And that is, what is the end goal as you parent your kid, as you disciple your child, as that child grows up in your house, what is the main end all goal? Is it to get good grades so that they can go to a good school, maybe get some of that school paid for? Is it to do well in sports, to get a scholarship for sports? Is it to get a high paying job, to, to make lots of money, to be a successful adult? What is the end all goal as you parent your child? And I would say me and my husband have sat down and we've kind of like, when we're going through issues with our kids, we have decided that the end all goal for us is that our children would love Jesus with all of their hearts. They would shine the love of Jesus and be a contributing member to society um, in doing whatever the Lord has called them and designed them to do. And that's our heart and our prayer for our kids. But I think sometimes we get that twisted and our priorities can get mixed up and fouled up when we put other things above the Lord. We see here in Matthew um, 6, 32 through 33, for the pagans run after all of these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus said, hey, the pagans, the people who don't believe in me are about all of these different things. They're important and your father knows that you need them. But seek my kingdom first. Seek me first and all of these things will be added to you. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to say to us as we raise our kids, as we raise up the next generation. Hey, there's many things to be looking at, but the Lord wants you to seek him first. Let me just say this. There has never been a better time to be involved in a children's ministry or a youth group. I mean, we've got amazing programs. We've got amazing lessons, graphics, videos, um, really amazing decorations, um, really great studies and books. I mean, there's so many resources out there. There's like, oh, let's go to the coffee shop and do our devos. And um, when I, let me tell you, I, I got to grow up in the church and, and the music back in those days was not cool. Okay. Uh, we got some amazing music now. Uh, it, it really relevant. It could be on the radio, you know, like normal normal radio uh anyways uh and and so even when i was in sunday school like we would have the really exciting thing that would happen is when you'd see the sunday school teacher bring out this big felt board and it was like a blank field and then the sunday school teacher would build upon the board with like little uh felt you know press on so there's like oh one day jesus was walking so then they'll put on Jesus and he was walking with his disciples and they'll put on the disciples. And so that was like the biggest, like, wow, it's so cool. Um, but now they, they, man, you can put on like a really amazing video produced by some really big church. I mean, the church is resourced to support and supplement your family in the faith. And yet statistics show that more more and more people are leaving and walking away. That children who are grown up in the church are leaving the church. And why is that? Um, I, I think, like, like I said, I think the church has 
never been more resourced and more accessible than ever before. Um, I think what it is, is that maybe we're missing an important part, and that is a home-based discipleship. That the things that happen at church are only supposed to supplement what's happening at your home already. Our homes are meant to be training grounds, and you guys know that already, um, but not just training grounds of how to be polite and how to have good morals and character, how to behave, but our homes are the primary training ground for our spiritual growth. Um, parents, you've been given a unique opportunity, authority, and position to speak into your child's life. And let me just give you a disclaimer before we jump into um, this discipleship and, and how we kind of like to disciple. Um, hey, this, uh, I do not have it perfectly. I'm still learning and growing. Uh, my kids are not perfect. Uh, there is no perfect parent. There is no perfect child. Um, even God, God himself was perfect. He was perfect. And he had the perfect conditions of a beautiful garden. And he had one rule. Don't eat that tree, that fruit. Don't do it. And his children rebelled. Um, and so this is not... This is not about judging where you're at or criticizing where you're at. This is about parents stepping up and doing their part on behalf of their children. And one day, your child will have to decide. I tell my kids that all the time. Like, hey, while you're in my house, these are my rules. We go to church. We're going to read our Bible. We're going to do these things. But one day, you will have to stand before the Lord by yourself, not with me, not on my faith. You'll have to stand before the Lord on your faith. And so we're just getting our kids ready for that day. And so how do we do it uh, in our home? I'm just gonna share some things um, and some tips that I've learned along the way, and I hope that it encourages you. Um, but what is discipleship? I've been throwing that word around a lot, and discipleship is this. Let's look at Deuteronomy uh, 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands I give you today, they are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames and on the houses and on your houses and on your gates. Discipleship is that, is loving the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength and talking about him and showing your kids about him. Talking about him when you sit down, when you drive in your car, when you go here, when you go there. Um, and so what we're going to talk about is how do we do it? Um, we ourselves need to be discipled. We ourselves need to be um, walking in the truth and doing these things for ourselves and also passing it on to our children. We've all heard the phrase, you know, when we're mentoring someone, I do, you watch me, uh, then we do, and then you do. Um, but I would say this, when I'm uh, discipling my kids and when I'm um, really shepherding them in their spirituality, I like to look at it like this, is I like to show them who God is what he is like, how he speaks, 
what he has created you and what he has called you to do. I like to show the kids who the Lord is and what he's like and how he speaks. And one day, like, what is he, what, how has he created you and what has he made you to do? And this is how I approach um, my discipleship with my kids. You know, um, I grew up, uh, my testimony is growing up uh, seeing a radical at the at an early age of five, I saw a radical uh, transformation and conversion experience with my dad. I saw my parents' marriage being restored, and um, and and being like a family who never went to church to a family who never missed church. And our, our family was radically and dramatically changed. I saw my dad um, go from being volatile, cursing and swearing, to um, reading his Bible, never missing a day, and really uh, encouraging us to memorize scripture and praying for us and, and, and loving us and encouraging us in our giftings and our callings. And what I got to see is my parents who were new in the faith, um, working their faith out, working, working out what it looks like to, to be a Christ follower and dragging um, me and my brother along with them. And I would encourage you today where you feel like, well, I don't really know much about Christ. I don't really know uh, much about the Bible. Well, neither did my parents when they first came to know the Lord. But I knew that God was real because I saw if God can change my dad's heart like there's nothing that my god cannot do and um and i and i loved i fell in love with jesus as a five-year-old and just seeing um the power of what he can do and and i loved the fact i loved learning about the bible i loved as my parents were learning they were teaching us and it was such an amazing experience so if you think that you're unqualified um if you think you haven't walked with the lord long enough um that is a lie from the enemy and the lord wants to use you and your journey and your walk to encourage and shape and mold your children, amen? Um, so here I'm just gonna run through some practical ideas that I hope will help you. And number one, that is normalizing discipleship in your homes. Make it a part of your everyday life. Um, in Deuteronomy 6, we just read that it says, when you sit down, when you go to eat, when you're walking on the road, put it on your homes, write it on your walls, that we see that it's just a normal part of life, that it's always something that you talk about, always something that you do. And so I would encourage you in your discipleship, just start making it normal. Um, start making, talking about what the Lord is doing or bringing God into your conversations normal. Um, I love, I have a six-year-old and uh, Ezra right now, he's really into God, which hasn't always been the case, you guys. So I'm, I'm, I feel glad about that. But anytime I'm like, oh, I just love ice cream. He's like, but you love God more, right, mom? <laughs> and I'm like, of course I do. But he's really starting to get it. Like if I say I love anything, he's like, but nothing's better than God. I'm like, that's right. Um, and so just seeing how their little minds work and they want to normalize the Lord in their homes as well. And so uh, make it a normal part. Um, let them into your journey. I think that's another great way. Like sometimes um, I know that me and my husband, like whether we're struggling like financially or we don't know where the Lord has called us um, in the season of life, like we'll talk about it in front of our kids. We'll talk about it with our kids. Like, hey, can we be praying? Because 
uh, we just got told that we need to move and we need the direction and the wisdom of the Lord. And so letting our kids in on our um, the things that stress us out, uh, that's according to their age, but really making them a part and letting them see the, the deliverance of the Lord, letting them see how God answered prayers. And it's something that you can always refer back to. Do you remember that one time when grandma got sick, we prayed for her, the Lord healed her. Do you remember that one time? We didn't know what we we're gonna do and we prayed and then the Lord gave us direction. And so it's really cool that the Lord will begin to write a family history um, for you guys when you include your kids in the things that you're struggling with or the things that you're going through. Um, number two, do devotions with your family. Um, I like to uh, read Bible stories to my kids, especially when they're little. I'll, I'll get like this storybook um, Bible and just go through the Bible with them. Um, later on, we'll do devotions. We'll, um, we'll write out, uh, we'll actually read the Bible and, um, and learn from that and write and do devotions together. Another great way is I love to get like a devotional book. Um, sometimes when they were younger, a, a devotional book with actual stories, like a situational story and how this scripture applies to the situation and, and the conversations that me and my kids will have after we've read um, is pretty amazing. And so make sure that you, are, you yourself are doing your devotions, but you're also including your kids and doing devotions with them. Um, in Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. So number three, uh, pray with your kids and pray with them and pray for them. I, I love it when I pray with my kids. I'm a, I, like, I hear things that I didn't hear at the dinner table. Like when they're praying like, Lord, I thank you for this day. And I just pray for Sally who did, you know, who cut her hair during class for no reason. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I'll start hearing confessions and start hearing about the kids, you know, the naughty things that happen at school or whatever. And so when we pray, um, it's a really good time to connect with the Lord and you're connecting with your kids on another level. I love prayer because you can, you can pray without ceasing. When you think about it, like without stopping, that sounds kind of like overkill. But when you think about how many times you can pray with your kids a day, you can pray with them when you drop them off at school. You can pray with them at each and every single meal. You can pray with them before they go to their workouts or their practices. You can pray with them in the morning when they wake up. You can pray with them at night when they go to sleep. Um, you can pray with them when you see an accident or somebody's in trouble um, on the side of the road. Um, we can teach our kids to be prayer warriors. We just need to be intentional about it. So I encourage you to pray with your kids. Um, number four, uh, go to church together and even better, serve at church together. Um, I'm always amazed to, to find out that parents are shocked when their child moves away and goes off to college and the parents are shocked that the kid has not found a home church and they're not going to church and they're like kind of, you know, getting into the party life. And I'm thinking, I don't, I don't know why that surprises you. Statistics show you guys. And it's crazy because it, we see that it's kind of true. Um, the statistics show that the average person goes to church 1.8 times a month. So people aren't even really making it regularly to church, not even two times a month. And I would say as a family, if we're not prioritizing church, if we're not prioritizing gathering together as the body of Christ, your kids will not prioritize it 
when they're older. I said that before that I got to grow up watching my parents wrestle through and become new converts. And, and um, one of the things that my dad uh, really had to wrestle with was he was really, he was a, like a really amazing runner and he would do, you know, running races always happen on Saturday, but mostly they happen on Sundays. And um, I mean, he, would, he was really fast. He would go and win all these 5Ks, 10Ks. And um, it was a part of what we did growing up. Like when I was little, we'd go and watch daddy run and daddy win. And um, when he got saved, he realized, man, like running has become an idol in my life and it's no longer. And he no longer ever did a race on Sunday, like from the day he received Christ. And it was a radical shift for our family. And we like never missed church. We were always in church and my parents prioritize it. And now, you know, like we have our kids and we're like, sorry, kid, you're not like, I'm sorry, but Jesus is more important than the sport than this than that. I mean, I'm sure if there's like a national thing and, you know, we'll pray about it and we're not going to be so legalistic. But the point is Sunday is a holy day. I learned that watching my parents, my husband learned learn that when you watch his parents that Sunday is to be kept holy and precious and when you come to church um, you are you are getting encouraged and discipled I loved I loved going to church as a little kid because they had donuts and they had fruit punch and we didn't have that kind of food at home because you know my dad was like a runner so we had like cornflakes and carrots but I was like dude this is amazing I get to have unlimited donuts and fruit punch while I'm at church um, I would just drool at the presence of the Lord um, but uh, anyways what I love about church is that it reinforces what you're already teaching your kid at home. While church isn't the primary, it should not be the primary source of discipleship. Just think about it. If your kid is just getting church 1.8 times a, a, a month, and then we're not doing any discipleship at home, uh, we're not really raising up spiritually strong children. And so we want to come to church and let the Lord um, just reiterate what he's already doing in your life. Um, I call this um, multi-layered discipleship, and I'll get into that a little bit more in a second. Number five, anything can be used as a discipleship moment. Um, whether you're watching a family movie with your kid, and it doesn't have to be a Christian movie, it can just be a movie. And if some theme cop, like pops up or comes up, you can just um, like, Talk to your kids about that afterwards. Like, hey, what did you think about that character? Like, we thought he was a good guy and he was a liar. Like, what do you think about that? Um, and we can talk about um, whether you're reading books. We love to read books in our family, um, secular and Christian. And it's such a, an amazing tool and a moment for discipleship. I think situations, uh, whether we get into situations where we're out and about in town or conversations or anything, any type of situation can be a teachable discipleship moment. Um, I think even negative negative moments, those hard moments, like you're in the trenches with your kids and you're having a really hard day. Um, those moments can be discipleship for your kid. Um, the Bible says in James 5, if any one of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and freely. And so the Lord has wisdom for you in these moments. You just have to ask the Holy Spirit, like Holy Spirit, uh, open my eyes to these moments that you're putting in front of me. Some might be really obvious and some might be through those hard moments, but, but I pray that you would show me um, so that I can disciple and love on my kids. 
I heard this amazing story. I thought it was brilliant. Um, but I love how the Lord can use other moms too. Like when you're talking to other moms and you hear what they're going through and you're like, that's, that's brilliant. But it's like the brilliance of the Holy Spirit. Um, she said, I mean, almost with tears in her eyes, she was talking about what a rough night she had. Her husband was doing some traveling and she's like, I didn't, I didn't think it was going to be this hard. And he said some words like, he's never said that to me before. Okay. The kid is six. So, um, she was just, but she was kind of crushed by it. Like what is happening to my six year old son? Like, and where did my baby go? Kind of thing. And she said, she just prayed about it. She was really bothered by it. And um, the next morning, like the Lord gave her something. So she, she woke her son up and before he got ready for school, she said, hey, she, she had a brand new tube of toothpaste. And she said, let's, um, can you empty out the tube of toothpaste in the sink? And so the kid, you know, thought, okay, it's weird, but okay. So he emptied out the toothpaste in the tube, the whole tube of toothpaste in the sink. And then he was done and the mom looked at him and said, okay, now I want you to put it all back in the tube. And he's like, you can't do, like, how, how am I, how am I going to do that? And she said, just like you cannot put that toothpaste back in the tube, you cannot put the words that you said back. You can't take them back. Once the words have been spoken, you can't bring them back. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that was a lesson for me. Um, and I'm like, how can that little child not be impacted by that moment? And it's like the Holy Spirit like used a really difficult moment. Mom prayed and gave her this amazing analogy that I'm sure this little boy will never forget. Um, so God will give you wisdom for your kids. Um, number six, uh, point out the direction of God as you see it in your child's life. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, earlier before I mentioned multi-layered discipleship. Yes, I am the primary disciple, uh, you know, discipler in my family to my kids, um, but my kids go to church, they go to youth group, they do things outside. They have uncles and aunties that are friend, they're friends with that love Jesus and that are speaking into their lives. And so what we began to see is this multi-level, like we would go to church as a family and we would hear the message as a past, like that the pastor would speak. And we're like, oh, okay, that was on kindness or whatever. And then we would go home and we would read something about kindness. And it was just the next, we were just doing the next devotion in our Bible. You know, it wasn't like we had to search for it. It was the next day, kindness. And then they go to youth group and boom, kindness or whatever. They're like, I'm hearing this a lot. And you can point that out as a parent, like, hey, maybe the Lord is trying to tell you something or teach you something. We had this, um, we had a dog before, a big dog. And um, it was my kids' jobs to feed the dog. One fed it breakfast and the other one fed it dinner. And um, I think we got up one morning and um, I said, hey, the dog wasn't fed last night. And the child who was supposed to feed him was like, oh, well, you know, he had his excuse. I'm like, poor dog. Like that dog did not have water or food. Like thankfully he had some, some in the morning. I, I like laid it on thick. Like, man, God has called us to be stewards of creation. Like we're supposed to take care of this earth. We're supposed to take care of our animals. And that was not kind. And you know, I'm just like, I'm like hammering him. Okay. He's getting in big trouble. And then I'm like, all right, now let's read our devotion. And I, I was doing this one book, Little Visits with God. So we open it to the next day and it's like being kind to our animals. I'm like, 
You can't make this stuff up. And I asked my son, I said, are you, are you surprised by this? Like, this is our devotion today. And that's not how you're supposed to point it out, but that's how I was doing it. See, I told you I'm not perfect. Um, but I was like, is this, you know, and, and this, my son's like, I said, does this surprise you? And he's like, not really, because it always happens. We always, you know, and so my kids are starting to, um, because I'm pointing it out. Hey, the Lord is speaking. The Lord is speaking. The Lord is speaking. He doesn't just say it once, but you, you get to, you begin to hear it more in multi-level um, faceted. And so um, we want to make sure that we as parents point it out to our kids. Uh, the thing is, God wants to be found by you. God wants to be found by your children. He wants to reveal himself to your family. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Um, this week, as I was doing my devotions and thinking and praying about this, um, this week's message, um, I, I read a popular story, one that I've read several times before, um, and I read it this week, but it hit me a little bit differently. Um, it was about Samuel, Samuel and how he hears God's voice when God calls him in the middle of the night. But it starts with this. It starts with Hannah um, praying for her, her son to be born, praying, begging God for a child, and the Lord gives her a son and she dedicates that son to the Lord. And at five years old, Hannah brings him, what that looks like to Hannah is bringing him to live at the temple and to be raised by the priest Eli. But I wanna pick up this story um, in 1 Samuel 3, 8. Um, what I love about Samuel, it says he grew up in the presence of the Lord. And so he was around God's presence. He was being mentored and, and trained up and discipled by Eli. So we, in this story, this is going to pick up where God has already called Samuel and Samuel runs to Eli and says, here I am. And I didn't call you go back to bed. He calls him again. And we're going to pick up when God calls Samuel a third time, a third time, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And then the Lord came and stood there, calling as he did the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I love this story because I, I love that it shows that God speaks to kids, that God reveals his word to young people. I actually pray this story over my kids, like, Lord, would you, would you open their ears? Would you speak to them as you spoke to Samuel? Um, but the thing that struck me uh, this time around when I was reading the story was Eli, Eli the priest. Uh, he did a really good job in mentoring Samuel. 
Like he called it out like, oh my gosh, three times already. It's not me that's calling you, but it's the Lord. He recognized, it took him a while, but he recognized the voice that, that it was the voice of the Lord. And he was able to say, hey, do these two things. He pointed it out. Hey, I recognize that this God calling you, you go back. And if you hear it again, this is what you do. You say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Um, and we need to do this for our children. We need to model like, hey, the, this is what the Lord is saying and, and teach our kids to like be obedient and to model that here I am, Lord, um, kind of heart. Um, however, the story doesn't end there. And I, I, you can go and read the scripture for yourself. Um, but Samuel, the word that Samuel gets from the Lord is actually a judgment upon Eli, the priest and his wicked sons. And he says, you're not going to live to be old, you know, and it's actually kind of a hard word. And, um, and in the morning, you know, Eli asks, what did God say to you? And Samuel has the courage to tell him. Um, but what's interesting to me is the contrast between uh, Eli's sons and Samuel. See, Eli's sons are probably young adults and they were being wicked. They were stealing um, the offerings that people were bringing. They were super corrupt and they lived under the same roof that Samuel lived under and they were mentored um, by the same man, Eli. Again, if you go back and read the story in chapter two, before Samuel has this word, Eli is given the same word from a different man of God saying, your house is in trouble, your sons are misbehaving. And I wonder, I just wonder if the story would have been a little bit different, if, if Eli's sons and their future would have been different had when Eli received that word in chapter two, um, if he would have come back and said like, forgive me, Lord, and, and try to uh, rebuke his sons and, and have repentance and sorrow and turn his way, I wonder um, if that would have made a difference in those sons' life. Um, as a pastor, I read this story with great, um, like very sober-mindedly. Um, my prayer, my prayer as I read this story is, oh God, let me be better discipling my kids than I am at my job. Because at the end of the day, Eli was a priest. That was his livelihood. He was a really good priest. He was able to uh, train up Samuel. He was like the prophet of Israel. Um, and then he failed in this area of raising up his sons the same. And so my prayer is, Lord, help me be better at do, discipling and training up and raising my kids than I am at any job, any side gig, anything. Lord, let this be something that I, I can do to the best of my ability. Um, I'll close with this story. Um, Dr. James Dobson is a big international name. He's been around for a really long time, and he's been such a blessing and a gift for Christian families, you know, all through, through the decades. And um, when he was growing up, he was a pastor's kid, and his dad actually was an evangelist. And his dad would, um, his heart was to evangelize and go around from church to church and um, to make famous the name of God. And anyways, James was about 16 years old and he had gotten into some trouble. Mom was at home trying to hold down the fort. His dad just started to become a little bit popular and was out a little bit more and traveling a little bit more. Um, and, and one night, you know, he got in trouble at school and the mom uh, called 
the dad. Now, what the parents didn't know is that James Dobson was on the other line, like upstairs, listening in on their conversation. And the mom just simply said this, it's time to come home, Jimmy's in trouble. And the dad canceled everything. He dropped all of the gigs that he had lined up, all the different church things that he had. He dropped it all. And he took up a little small pastorate church in the neighborhood with a small amount of people, nothing glorious, nothing spectacular and decided to trade all of that to stay at home, stay close to home and see out his son's formative years. And um, I mean, James was listening in on that call and he, he will never forget his father's response, like, I'm coming home. And, um, and what a blessing and an impact that he has been. I don't know if it would have been so had the dad just like, you know what, just be patient, I'll be home, I'm gonna, you know, work on closing out what I have to do. The dad just came home. Andy Stanley said, your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And so moms, dads, um, even aunties and uncles, I just want to encourage you this morning. Um, motherhood, parenthood is not easy. It is the hardest job in the world. Sometimes it's like a thankless job. It feels like you're in the trenches most days and um, you are doing an unseen work. Nobody sees the time and the hours and the effort that you put in, all the little conversations that you have, all the, the times that you were patient and the times that you uh, were merciful and the times that you had these amazing little moments for your kids. Nobody sees that, but be encouraged that there is a God in heaven who sees and he knows. And although there may not be fruit now, as you raise your kids as you are faithful to plant the seed god is the one who causes growth god is the one who brings harvest and i promise you that no matter what you're trading to do what you're doing with your kids is some of the greatest work and 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 also those of you who do not have kids you're just listening in like the mentorship and the discipleship and the friendship that you bring to young people uh, and being there for them um, man there's there is nothing greater than than passing on our faith and being a disciple um, discipling others um, toward Christ amen and so I want to pray with you today um, moms especially and encourage you um, this morning and so Lord we love you we thank you for the gift of mothers for their, um, in, like their, the, the intuition of the Holy Spirit that you've given them, the tenderness, the kind-heartedness, the, the ability to see um, beneath the surface. And Lord, I pray right now that you would encourage them, that you would give them small little victories to feel good about, Lord, amongst all the other hard things that they do. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to give them wisdom, that you, Holy Spirit, would be invited into how they raise and shape and mold their children. Lord, I pray a blessing upon them this Mother's Day, a blessing that goes beyond um, the thanks and the gifts and the the candy and the flowers, Lord, but a blessing that comes from you, Lord, that they would wear uh, strength and dignity, and Lord, that they would um, just be pillars of faith, that they would be prayer warriors for their families. Lord, I pray, God, that you would continue to use the moms of this community, um, Lord, to shape and mold as we raise up the next generation. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and encourage them right now in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, happy Mother's Day. It is not too late. If you're hearing this message, it's not too late to get some clothes on and make it to the 10 o'clock service. You want to join us live. It's, it's always better. We're going to be doing baby dedications today. It's going to be amazing. And also, ladies, um, we do have babysitting on Saturday. This Saturday, free babysitting is our Mother's Day gift to you. Drop them off over here at Antioch from 6.30 to 8.30. We'll watch your kids for two hours, oh, 6 o'clock to 8.30. We're gonna watch them for two and a half hours while you go do what you need to do or go on a date night or do whatever. Um, but we love you guys and we, we say God bless you. Have a great week.